Welcome to Engage Your Tribe, a podcast about the art and science of audience engagement. I'm Jeremy Shear, and my guest is Andrew Doberstein, VP of Marketing at ClearMix. Andrew, it's great to have you on the show. Yeah, it's great to be here, Jeremy. I appreciate it. You're quite welcome. Engage Your Tribe is brought to you by Tribal Knowledge Podcasting. We are a full-service B2B podcasting agency, and we help brands use podcasting as a fun way to have the kind of conversations you need to have with decision makers to grow your business. You can learn more at tribknowledge.com. So, Andrew, tell us first, I want to hear about ClearMix in a second, but first, I've taken to starting off the program by asking guests to share an interesting or funny or weird sort of marketing moment that you've had in your career that you think our audience would appreciate? Yeah, I think that's uh, I think that's a great way to kind of warm up with it. You know, when I, I think back to one of the craziest moments in, in my marketing, it was at an event called reInvent, AWS reInvent, which is the big Amazon trade show in Vegas, you know, big event of the biggest event of the year for us. And I was working with my company to set up an interactive booth. And so we went all out. I helped design a game for the booth to keep people entertained. And what we came up with was sort of a challenge where we'd demo the product, bring in a couple of people, 10 people, have them run through the challenge and have a countdown timer. And whoever did the best job using the product uh, won a Nintendo Switch. And so we actually had a tremendous number of them. We were giving out a Nintendo Switch every 10 or 15 minutes for three, four days. Um, And so that was just totally wild. But the craziest thing was when my my partner, the only person there who was really emceeing the booth and, you know, kind of giving it a nice light atmosphere and running the show, actually got sick. And I ended up having to do double shifts. And so I was doing 12 hour shifts on the show floor just oh, to man. keep the show running. And, you know, but it's like, I, you know, I used to do theater when I was younger. It's the show must go on. Right. And so we do. What we need to do. Yes. Wow. That's a good one. I'm sure a lot of our listeners can commiserate and giving, I mean, the show must go on and I'm sure there was some pretty high demand for those Nintendo switches. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Know? We had a great, great line. I mean, it was, it was a really good uh, successful event for us overall, but definitely stressful in the moment. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. That's some pretty good swag, by the way. <laughs> yeah. A Nintendo switch usually you get like a squishy ball or something. <laughs> yeah. You know. Yeah. We, uh, we want to show off a little bit, I think. That's pretty cool. Okay. Thanks for sharing that. So now Tell us a little bit about ClearMix. Sure. So my current role uh, is with ClearMix. And what we do is we help companies produce video content. And so typically our products are going to be things like customer testimony. The real twist of what we do is that we do it 100% remotely. And so we have live producers with television experience who will help them produce video content using webcams so that they can, you know, interview anybody anywhere at, you know, a tenth of the cost of having a full production on-site studio come in. Okay, very cool. And, you know, there's a lot of companies doing like video production stuff, right? Sort of offering solutions for recording videos. And so what what's the difference? Like what what's your guys' main differentiator? Yeah, I mean, you know, we've looked at the market and and kind of the origin story is that we originally started as a totally different company. We were doing legal tech software. And what we found is that when we were a startup, just getting our foot in the door, there really wasn't any option that fit what we needed. And so ClearMix is that option now. And and what we really needed was ability to film anywhere. I mean, the pandemic obviously played a role in that, but it, it's helpful regardless. And we needed live skilled people on the call. 
And there's really, you know, there's a lot of DIY solutions you can use where you can kind of do it yourself and, and figure it out as you go. But that's really uh, slow for a lot of companies. They don't necessarily have the marketing team in place to handle that. It can take months. On the other end, you can work with a traditional, you know, on-site agency and they'll bring camera people in, but that has a whole host of other issues being inconvenient, expensive. And so there wasn't really anything in that middle zone where you have skilled live producers on the call, but filmed 100% remotely. And so that's, that's what we're doing. Okay. Wow. That's really cool. I love that origin story too. It's just classic. It's a problem you encountered in your own work, day-to-day work. And you're like, God, if only there was a solution to this. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. Hey, wait a minute. <laughs> Let's do that. <laughs> yeah. I, I liken it to, I don't know if you know the story behind. Obviously, no, Unicorn now. they were originally a video game company. They were making a uh-huh. video game. The video game did fine, I guess, but they were a fully remote company before it was cool. And so they built Slack internally just to communicate with each other. And ended up, you know, the video game was whatever, but the chat tool that they built was really good. And so that's what they ended up pivoting to. Wow, that's interesting. You know, I happened, like a a slightly similar story is tech company Twilio. I don't know if you heard of them, but they're like a pretty big deal, you know, based out in Silicon Valley. And I happen to know the CEO. So I know this origin story that before Jeff Lawson is his name. And before he started Twilio, he'd started a bunch of businesses. And one of them was like an extreme sports company that sold products like extreme sports products Mm -hmm. called Nine Star. Mm -hmm. And he was in charge of setting up all their communications, like phone system, you know, customer communications. And in the midst of that, he found it was such a hassle. Like you had to do everything from scratch. It was, and he had worked at Amazon Web Services, like back in the early days of SaaS. And he just thought like, God, there's got to be a better way to set to, to be able to, if you're starting a new company to like set up communication systems. Mm-hmm. And that's how Twilio was born. He's like, wait a minute. Could there be like a cloud-based platform that enabled you to do it without having to reinvent it every single time? And you could just, you know, and he got together with some like a partner and they sat down and did the code and they're like, wait a minute, I think we have a really good idea. And then like 15 years later, boom, you know, here's, there's Twilio, a really big deal. So anyway, that's how really good ideas come about, right? You just see a need, you see a niche and you're like, let's, let's do this. No one's doing it. Let's yeah. Do it. There's kind of that, that magic moment. And, and, you know, as a startup, there's so many startup ideas out there and it's, it's so hard to really find something that, that fits the market. But when you're, happen to be lucky enough to find a solution that you're building for yourself that other people care about too. I think you're you're in luck, right? Right. Indeed. Indeed. Okay. So what we actually want to talk about is something that when you and I connected uh, a few weeks back, we started talking about a little bit. And that's one of your guys' big challenges from a marketing perspective is being careful not to overshoot personas. That's sort of the phrase you, you use. And when we were talking, I was like, wait a minute, what do you mean? <laughs> what does it mean to overshoot persona? So tell that story again. What in fact does that mean? Yeah. So I think we're, you know, as a company, I think we're, we're fortunate enough that we appeal to a really broad, a really broad demographic. And so what we can do is, you know, we can go into most companies and maybe kind of sort of find a fit. Maybe we find a really good fit. Maybe we don't. But, you know, we're not limited by one particular industry. 
And so for us, the journey of discovering who our audience really is has been one that's really evolved over the last um, year or so that we've been working as a company. And what's really been fascinating has been, you know, for many of our deals, we're working with people who are explicitly content marketers, right? You know, content marketing managers, you know, right? And, and so they're interested in producing video. That's a great fit. Uh, but as we have started to up-level the audience that we're approaching and trying to find more enterprise accounts, that actually changes, which has been really fascinating. You know, if we're working with a small or medium business, content marketer, we're in luck, good, we found the right person. But, you know, we've started working now with, you know, I won't maybe necessarily say the names, but, you know, top five enterprise tech companies, right? And the way that they do business is just so different. And for us, breaking into those accounts means finding personas that are actually adjacent to content marketing, right? Yeah. And so if we're overshooting, like we're really focused only content marketers, only content marketers, we're going to strike out because really big companies have the resources to produce video on their own, right? And so they don't necessarily need us to come in, even with our unique solution, um, right? Or at least there's a lot of resistance there, right? They're like, well, we have our you know, in-house marketing team. But what we found is that we can still close these deals if we work into more creative prospecting. And so now we're looking into finding people who are running HR, right? And so now we've shot videos for HR managers who wanted internal training videos, right? They wanted to train their managers to be better managers. And they worked with us because it was easier to work through us than it was to requisition the resources from within their own company because of the silos. Right. And, and so for us, it was about learning that kind of and, and, and learning that as we went and, and finding that we could close deals like that when we didn't focus too hard specifically on just the title that we were going for. Right. By finding those adjacent, in, you know, adjacent silos within the company, we can actually provide a lot more value than we would to the people that we originally were looking for. Okay. Really interesting. So, okay, let's dig into, into that a little bit more. So, like, give me an example at a given enterprise account. How do you know? Like, what are what are the red flags that begin to say, mm, th this these personas, these titles you're going after might not be the red fit, might not be the right fit? Yeah, and, and you know, this is particular to us, but I think that this could probably be useful in other industries and adjacent industries too. But for us, it's when the resources start to become a little bit redundant. Right. And, and so if we're talking to someone whose explicit position, explicit job is to help their company produce video. Right. They are the video editor. Right. At that point, you know, what we're arguing for is to replace their job. Right. And you, you got to pull the salespeople back and be like, that's not you know, that's not what we want to do. And I think that that's sort of an intuitive thing for them. It was surprising to me when we were still able to find success in those same accounts by just taking a different tack. Okay. Makes sense. Right. And it, so obviously if you're selling a video solution and you're talking with marketing and it becomes clear, like, well, we have a whole video team, then, okay. It doesn't take Sherlock Holmes <laughs> to be able to deduce right. like, okay, well maybe they don't really need our services. And, you know, in fact, the video team is going to be like, no, no, no way. This is our job. Like, right. so, okay. So that's a signal like, all right, instead of just jumping ship, 
maybe there's other functions within the company that could use the services, but a big enterprise that, that could, I mean, there are many functions. So like, how did, in that one instance, how did you end up figuring out like, oh, HR, they actually could be a good fit. How did you get there? Yeah. So in that case, that was actually, we had a, a personal connection, right? So outside of business, we had a personal connection to someone that was in HR and, you know, we were like, oh, you know, we don't know, you know, if this account, if we're going to be able to close this account or not. But we took that different tack. And we're like, well, we know somebody, let's talk. And they needed video, right? And they're like, wow, we can't get the video that we, we'd love to use you guys. And it was just night and day. And so... Yeah. And so, you know, obviously like being able to have that personal network, personal connection is, is helpful, but that's something that you can, you can replicate, you know, just with outbound and, and find the right people to talk to, mm-hmm. you know, if you're willing to be a little more creative with your targeting. Okay. Right. I mean, I, you know, I remember when I worked at a, a large corporation, they had a in-house video production team, mm-hmm. but it was kind of a small team. Mm-hmm. And it was the only one in the company. So if you were HR or whatever, and you wanted a video, you had to get in line. Yeah. You know, they couldn't cover the whole company. So, so that makes sense. Now let's say that, you know, let's say it's another account and you don't have a connection like that. Mm -hmm. How do you, if you don't know someone, you can just ask like, well, who might, you know, who might need our services? What's a good way to go about figuring out who, who in fact might be a good fit? Yeah. I mean, that's a, it's a great question, right? And that's kind of the eternal sales question, right? And, and so, you know, there's, you know, you can do your classic kind of prospecting. We, there's lots of services you can use to find out. I mean, LinkedIn is obviously a great tool even just to find out the hierarchy in the company, right? But that's just sales process. And yeah. I think that we happen to be fortunate enough right now that most people want video. Video is is exploding. It's 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 so in such crazy growth mode right now that it's actually m- more unusual for people to say they don't need video. Um, so for us, you know, we we've been lucky enough that if we find the right titles, there's you know really strong chance that the person on the other end will say, you know, will react positively to the idea of wanting video. And so for us, you know, it's it's been less about necessarily finding the the need because the need is pretty omnipresent. It's it's just about finding the people and, and getting the hands of the phone, right? <laughs> so, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So and you know, I, I would imagine, tell me if this makes sense, that every every company is at least a little bit different, but they're not that different. So like big companies tend to have the same kind of functions and departments and yeah. stuff. So having had this one experience with, oh, HR needed to do video, yeah. there's a good chance that HR HR at other companies might want video too. So like once you have one example of that, it makes sense whenever you go into account to at least think about HR or whatever function it is, right? And just kind of test them out and see how that goes. Absolutely. Absolutely. And and I can definitely, what you were saying earlier, of saying that you kind of had to get in line at these bigger companies. I have had that experience firsthand. I, I used to work in, in product marketing and I've shot training videos to train, you know, onboard salespeople. And, you know, those are out of date, you know, as soon as you shoot them, but they take a long time to produce. And it's this very kind of slow, I had a really slow kind of DIY process to, to produce them and they were already out of date. And, and so like that is, I think, true at, at all these larger companies where, you have a team and maybe they're, they're producing video, but when they tap out, they tap out and, and you know, that's just the way it is. And, and people end up looking for other solutions like what we do. Yeah. hundred percent. I, I, I was involved in actual like video production too, a little bit. Sometimes I got to help write a script. And one time I was actually in a video, I was like 
playing a doctor yeah. in like a lab. I think it was just my arm, <laughs> but still it was like, you know, had a glove on and like a lab coat. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> so, you know, I played the arm of a doctor. Yeah, in the claim video. the fame. You're 15 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Like 30 seconds. So, okay. A couple quick questions here as we wrap things up a little bit. So we're, we just finished Q1 heading into Q2. So what what was your main focus in Q1? And looking ahead to Q2, is that that same focus? You're sort of shifting priorities. About? Yeah, I, I think that for us, Q1 was really about building, building process. We are, we're growing really quickly. And, you know, in Q1, it was mostly focused on hiring, on building that kind of battle rhythm, right, of, of knowing what it is that we even, you know, do on a regular basis in order to keep the company moving and what really matters. And so everything from building out our inbound marketing to growth in sales and building our outbound to even just kind of finding what the process is for, for you know, generating content or, or creating videos of our own. And so that's really been our kind of work in progress over Q1. And then in Q2, we're ready to kind of you know, step on the gas, right? And and start putting, pouring a lot more into it and, and knowing what works instead of, kind of trying to figure out what works. And so we're now kind of pushing into, into growth mode as a company. Okay, very cool. Good to hear. Next question. What are the main KPIs that your boss has their eye on? Yeah, that's a good one. So we, we've actually been working on this recently. The, the two that are always kind of omnipresent, right? are going to be the the total number of leads, qualified leads that we're able to. And for us, you know, bringing in these leads is is generally going to be going through, you know, the website, going through our ads, going through and you know, a couple other kind of more creative ways too, but but mostly trying to just get people to convert, right? And so that is by far the biggest metric that I grade myself on as well is is delivering leads. On top of that, obviously, is is the cost of acquisition for those leads, right? So between those two, those are really kind of my two guiding metrics with growth being the number one objective and cost being our limiting factor, right? And I think that's kind of an interesting point to, to unpack too is I think with KPIs, it's easy to kind of fall in this trap and think that we have to improve every metric. And I think that it's kind of like ingrained, it's kind of fall. Okay, we have a metric, we should improve it. But in my you know, kind of opinion on that stuff is you can really only optimize for one at a time. Hmm. And so if you have a decision to make and that decision will increase cost and increase leads, you're at a crossroads, right? And so how do you prioritize? And so, you, you know, this is kind of a discussion that we're, that we're having, but like, you need to be able to specify what your number one goal is and focus on that. And everything else is a constraint, right? Not a goal to optimize, but a constraint. Does that make sense? Okay. Yeah, no, it does. That's a really interesting way of thinking about that. I like it. (laughs) And then finally, looking out across, you know, 2022, what, what is your, what do you and your team hope to accomplish? Yeah, I mean, we're we're really excited. We think it's just gonna we think it's gonna be a really really great year for us. We're we're growing really fast. You know, we're we're a startup. You know, I only joined the company about a year ago, and we were about four people, and now we're over thirty people. So we have just been growing really really fast, and we want to continue to see that growth. We're looking to raise our um, Series A. We closed the seed round. We're looking to raise our Series A, and you know, just kind of keep growing and and see how far we can ride this thing. Awesome. Well, exciting times ahead yeah. and uh, definitely be, you know, staying in touch 
keeping an eye on ClearMix. I think you guys are doing some really cool stuff. So, well, thank you so much for your time and for a great discussion. Really, really enjoyed it. Yeah, that. no, I appreciate it, Jeremy. It's, it's been great. Great being here with you. That's it for this episode of Engage Your Tribe. You can subscribe anywhere you get podcasts on any podcast app. And while you're at it, you might as well give the show five stars and leave an over-the-top comment about how much you love the podcast. Engage Your Tribe is brought to you by Conversa Podcasting. Check us out at conversa.com, that's conversa with two N's, to learn more about how we help B2B brands start podcasts to connect through conversation with the buyers and decision makers they need to get to know to grow their business. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.